press pause, we open your word as a holy moment and say, Lord, speak. Jesus, we thank you for the bedrock faith that we have in you. And Lord, as each time we come to your word, may it speak, it is living, and may we be alive as we read it, as we interpret it. And Lord, help me to speak only what you have for me to speak. Open our ears, Lord, to receive, not just in the natural, but in the spirit. May we receive from you today that we would be changed when we walk out of this place to be ambassadors for Christ, building up this Holy Spirit hospital for the broken. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're talking about reclaiming church as we go through 1 Corinthians. What it means to, like we have reclaimed wood, what does it mean to bring back the authenticity, the vibrance of what was original, revival or restoration? That's kind of the idea. And Paul is really speaking to this 1 Corinthians, or this, the Corinthian church in the book of 1 Corinthians to get back to really what he had planted at the church. And so let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. And we're going to title this one, Built to Last built to last. And we'll read to verse 17. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident for the day will show because it is to be revealed with fire. Somebody say fire. It's to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If, each, if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he'll receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells within you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that's what you are." He speaks to a group of people who are fighting over which pastor is the best and which genealogy, of which season of ministry and which denominational preferences they have. So he's talking about building the church more than just in the natural, but in the spirit. Well, there's a story of uh, the Basilica de Gregata Familia, the Basilica of the Holy Family. And it is a monstrous Roman Catholic basilica uh, near Barcelona, Spain, in the district of Barcelona, Spain. And it is 416 feet tall, and it is 135 years still in progress. Can you imagine a church building campaign going on for 135 years? Y'all would have fired some pastor by now. 135 years, the church is still being built. And in fact, the architect who built it worked until his death. He started in 1882 worked on it till his death in 1926 and then was buried in the crypt. And other guys came on after him. But this thing survived the Spanish War. There was a fire. The original plans were destroyed. They had to find out how to remake it according to his original design. And then it was stalled. And then in 1950s, it started back again. And by 2010, listen, 2010, it was still only halfway done. And then COVID shut it down, and they're just now starting again. Can you imagine working on some church building for 135 years? You know, when you spend, you want something to be done well, sometimes things take a long time. But I mean, 135 years is a long time to be working on a church. And so, uh, what's the purpose of a 135-year church building campaign? There's another story of a, a lady who went and saw these European cathedrals 
an older lady, and she was going through Europe, and she went to one cathedral, and the guide spoke about how beautiful it was, and uh, attention of all its ornate designs, and its tapestry, and, and all the, the Gothic and, and Middle Ages, all the history and things. And she went from room to room and saw the statues and paintings, and she's unimpressed. And at the conclusion of the tour, she asked the guide, how many souls have been saved in this building this year? And he looked at her kind of puzzled, and his face turned red. He said, ma'am, this is a cathedral not a chapel. What is the point? You know, sometimes our Christian lives can be the same way. On the outside, there can be all this ornate stuff, and we are working and working and working. We are working on our life. We are a work in progress, y'all. Some of us even more so. But we are a work in progress. We've been working on ourselves for years, and there's all the things we can do that seem important, but at the end of the day, what is going to last into eternity. What is going to last into eternity? And the problem is that sometimes all the outside looks good, but on the inside is empty. And the goal for every Christian in every church is that we should reflect the value of what is on the inside. We should reflect the value of what we hold on the inside. It's pointless to have all this outside, but no inside. And it's also pointless to have this great thing on the inside, but nothing to show for it on the outside. What do I mean? What do I mean? Some of our lives, we can be building great many things on this earth. We can build up money and property and possessions. We can build up all of our treasures and our reputations, but inside our lives can be hollow. That can be that great cathedral. Looks good. Great. Awesome. What's the point? Because what's the value of an eternity? Now, on the other side, we can go for the quick and easy and yet neglect that there is something so precious on the inside. The Bible says here with Paul that Christ is this rock. He's the foundation of every life. And every believer is being built upon him. And what you do with what God has given you is going to matter in eternity. Everything you are putting into your life, everything you, listen, everything you're doing with your life right now is building upon Jesus. If you're a believer, everything you are doing in your life right now, your job, your entertainment, your hobbies, your habits, your principles, your virtues, your values, the things you are filling your time with, you are stacking those things on top of Christ. And which of those things is going to last in eternity? So let's look at this text, built to last. Paul is saying a couple of things here. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. He's saying that Israel has this tabernacle, right? And they have this temple later on with Solomon. And the goal was to build a dwelling place. Everybody say, dwelling place. That's what tabernacle means. It's a dwelling place of God. God wanted a tabernacle to dwell amongst his people. He wanted to be in the middle of their mess. He wanted to find a home. And David wanted to do it. So Solomon uh, ended up doing it for David. But Jesus, or God said, there's going to be another one, a true son of David coming. He's going to build the eternal temple for my name. And it's not going to be a house built of brick and stone. It's going to be a dwelling place that's in the spirit. And Paul said, now, God has made this eternal spiritual temple to be you. You are every brick and every stone in that temple. That is you. And the foundation of that temple is Christ. You go to the Wailing Wall today, and even though there's no Jewish temple there, 
That, that wall is what they believe is the bedrock, the foundation of the original temple of Solomon, and people are still going to it today. When the fires of life come through, man, there's still the foundation, there's still the bedrock. He says, Christ is the bedrock, you are the bricks. You're every person built up. And even in Ephesians, Paul says this, he says, there was a cornerstone and that the foundation the apostles and the prophets built upon, it was Jesus Christ, and now in whom the whole building is being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord and in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Christ built and is building the church. You know, it's still being built. The church is being built. It'd be kind of like this. If we were to have sanctuary here, and every, you know, we have a, a brick building and every stone, can you imagine if every stone represented a member in our church over the generations? And that there would be walls that were unfinished and roofs that weren't on yet. And we would see that God is still building. And every believer represents part of this church, this family that we have. And together, Paul is saying, not just individually are you a temple of God, but collectively, all of you together are being built like bricks that at the last day, there's gonna be this beautiful church and you're a part of it. But here's the catch. The temple was not a common place. So in the ancient world, they would have temples built of stones and bricks and mortars and mar uh, marble and all kinds of fancy stuff. And then they would decorate it with gold and silver and all kinds of jewels and all kinds of things. But the common man's house, he would have the thatch roof, the wood walls, the mud and the clay would come together, the dirt floor. And when a fire would sweep through the ancient cities, guess what happened? The common people's homes would often be destroyed, but the temples would be left standing. And Paul says the same is true. That this home, why? It's because they valued building places for their gods. They thought that where the God dwelt, that that should be an uncommon, special place. They were willing, these poor peasants were even willing to give their possessions to keep where God dwelt to be a valuable, uncommon place. Are you with me? And so when he says, guess what? You, yeah, you're like that temple. You're not a common place. You're in a place where God dwells. And it's an uncommon place. And so the temple reflects the value of what's inside. The temple held God, so it got gold and silver and jewels. Man, because it's an uncommon. The value of what it held reflected the value of how we decorated it. But he says, guess what? There's that fire is coming on a day and every person's work is gonna be tested. And if you were trying to divide the church or build on your own means or method or if you're gonna experience this loss of judgment, and it's kind of that moment where, and remember that in Matthew chapter 25, there's this parable that Jesus gives. He says there's this parable of the talents, and there was a master who went off, and, and he said, uh, I'll give, when I leave, I'm going to give this one guy five talents, or money, five pieces of money. I'm going to give this other guy two, because he's pretty good, but he's not quite as good as the other guy. So five, he's really talented. So I'm going to give him five pieces of money. I'm going to hit this guy two, and this guy one, because I know what they're about capable of, and uh, hopefully they'll do something with my money. So he leaves on a trip, and the guy with five, he doubles it. He goes from five to ten. He invested in his master's property, gets in the stock market, buys some more things, sells some more things. Guy with two, same thing. He doubles it. Went from two to four. The guy with one, he was scared he'd lose the one thing he was given, so he buried it in the dirt. And when the master came back to the five and to the two, he said, man, 
You guys took what I gave and you multiplied what I gave. You took the gift I gave you and you invested it and you got a return. And this is what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with little, so I'm going to make you stewards of much. Enter in to the joy of your master. Now, Jesus is talking about heaven there, right? He says, that's well done, good and faithful servant. We preach that at funerals all the time. So that's talking about heaven. He comes to the one, he says, Where's, what'd you do with it? What'd you do with it? He says, well, I didn't do anything. I was scared I was going to lose the one thing you gave me. So I buried it. And he says, you should have at least put it in the bank and showed some interest. Listen, showed some interest. What does he say to him? He says, you worthless and lazy slave. You worthless and lazy slave. Bind him and cast him to the outer courts where there is darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. And he's talking about hell. See, in this last day, there's going to be some people, some people who are going to receive the gift of salvation, and they're going to have a little bit of interest, a little bit of interest. They were kind of interested in their Christianity, and they're going to just make it, like Paul says. He's, there are going to be some who are going to be refined by fire, but because they have Jesus, they're going to be saved. They have a little bit of interest, a little bit of interest in the church that God is wanting to build, and they're going to be saved. Remember we use that phrase, by the skin of their teeth? I have no idea what that means, but that's what it is. The skin of their teeth, they barely make it. There are going to be some, though, that take an interest in the church of Jesus Christ. They take an interest in this wonderful temple that God is wanting to build on the earth that he can dwell in the midst of, and they're going to decorate it all good. Man, they're going to put gold on it and silver on it and rubies on it, and when they get to heaven, the Bible says they're going to lay all these things down at his feet as worship unto him and say, Lord, Thank you for the gift you gave. Man, I'm giving you something back in return. And he says, come on in. Just wait until what I show you in eternity. Man, it's going to rock your brain. It's going to be awesome what I'm going to show you. But then he goes to the one and he said, I gave you this, but you showed no interest. You showed no interest in what I gave you. And they have nothing to show for it. And he says, that's as if you didn't even care and you never really loved me. When your money is gone and your house is gone, your possessions are gone and Pastor Heath is not there and the worship team is not there and your church membership roster is not there and your record of giving is not there and all the things that you thought were going to be good for you and all your trophies are gone and your degrees and all your accomplishments and what good people said about you, what will you be laying at the feet of Jesus? What will you lay at the feet of Jesus? Of Jesus. You and I may know that we are not going to go to hell. You may have that certainty today, but what will you lay at the feet of Jesus? I'm going to give you three things I think that we can take out of these things gold, silver, and precious stones. What could they be? I don't know. I'm going to give you Heath theology. You ready? Number one is gold. What's something I can lay at the feet of Jesus? Gold. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says, The proven character of your faith is more precious than gold. Everybody say gold. It's more precious than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Peter says, your faith is better than gold. So I'm going to say gold is faith. What is faith in? Faith is in the bedrock of the foundation of Jesus Christ. Meaning, 
I so believe Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. I so believe that God so loved the world, he sent his son to die for me, that when I was yet a sinner, he still loved me. I so believe that if I would repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins, I will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that's for me and all my children and their children. I so believe that I'm willing to give something expensive to take an expensive leap of faith. You see, the common man would not adorn a wood that hutch with gold. Why? Because the value wasn't worth it. But see, when I believe that God is in the middle of this temple, I think that the value of what is on the inside is, should reflect on the outside. I think that it's worth giving something expensive to. And to me, it's the value of a risky faith. What do I mean by that? that I should have religious conviction that causes me to take great leaps of faith for Christ. Great leaps of faith. Why do you think missionaries went across uncharted waters? They really believed in the foundation. Why do you think people take an investment to build a Sunday school ministry when their church doesn't have a Sunday school ministry? It's because they believe in the doctrine of Jesus Christ should be taught for next generations. Why do you people believe they should go and give all their possessions and sell out for Jesus in the early church? Why? Because they believed in the risk because the foundation was worth it. They had a faith that was more precious than gold that said, I'm willing to spend everything I've got because the value of what I'm building is worth the cost. Are you with me this morning? The value of what we're building is worth the cost. And what is it about gold? You know, gold is, unless you have a yard that I need to come visit, gold is not just lying around in our backyards. But I got a lot of sticks, I got a lot of pine cones, and right now in Louisiana, I have a lot of mud. Right? And we can build a mud hut and my kids can play in it. And that, my girls like to do that, like put a, a string across and lay branches and pretend they're camping or something. And we can do that. But I'm not going to put my gold and valuable my wife's wedding ring out there on a string. Why? It's not worth it. But gold, you see, the measure of my faith is going to be in relation to the amount that I dig into the Word of God. You see, wood, hay, and stubble, that's easy, that's cheap, that's common. But gold, you gotta dig for. And if I keep digging, and I keep digging into the word of God, I'm gonna have more and more faith for what I'm finding. Are you with me this morning? The more I dig into the word of God and go down deep, I believe it, and I believe it, and guess what? I'm willing to spend more faith on it. I'm willing to give all. I'm willing to sell out. I'm willing to take a leap of faith and talk to that person I've never talked to at Walmart or across the street or talk to my neighbor and say, this is uncomfortable, God, but he's gonna say, but it's worth it if you take a leap of faith because the price of what I'm building is worth it. The value of what it holds is worth an expensive leap of faith. Number one is gold. Number two is silver. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20. Paul says it to Timothy, he says, man, in a large house, there's not just gold and silver vessels, but some vessels of wood and earthenware, some honor and dishonor. In your house, there's a toilet, and maybe there's grandma's china. They both have different purposes, both useful, right? But there's some things you use a certain way, right? There's some things you use a certain way. I get onto my kids because sometimes they want to brush their teeth on the couch, it's just, no, keep that in the bathroom. There's a way that we have things and the way we use them. He says, and there's this earthenware, and then there's silverware. 
One is a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master. And I think if I had to guess, I think silver represents the purity of principles. You see, in Scripture, I'm not, in the New Testament, I'm no longer guided by rules. There's nothing on my refrigerator that tells me what I should and should not do each time. I don't have a pastor telling me what I should dress and not dress. I don't have someone telling me what I should watch and not watch. There's great things about that. But there's nothing in my life that is telling me. Paul says, you've been freed from the law. You're living in grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you are free, but guess what? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. What does he mean? That you should have guiding principles, pure principles, holy habits that what? Lead you to reflect the master. You see, silver, if you know anything about silver, and we talk about it in church a lot, that as you heat it up, the imperfections come to the top, and the silversmith would, uh, it's called dross, would clean all that off. He'd filter it off, and then he'd have more perfect silver. And the, the story goes that he would want to see his reflection in it. And so think about that. Sometimes we mix our Christianity up with so many things that it doesn't reflect very well. And Paul's like, you should have silver in this temple, pure principles that when you put them on the wall, reflect the value of who's living on the inside. Pure principles that guide me, that say, man, should I be watching this show? Is this going to help me reflect Jesus? No, I think there's a little bit too much worldly things mixing in here. So therefore, I have a principle that I live by. See, you, I'm not here to tell you how to live. I'm telling you how to follow Jesus. And the point is this. There are guiding principles that we have to have as we reflect the master. For instance... There's principles in my life that I think, man, I need to live a life that's denying self. Have I been denying self lately? That needs to be a principle. Maybe it's humility. I need to have the principle of humility in my life and go through my life and see how this principle of humility I navigate it with. Or maybe there's a principle of charity or a principle of Christian service. I think it's important to be in Christian ministry. I think it's important to serve somewhere in the body of Christ. That's a principle I hold dear. Or about the principle of prayer. Man, I love that one. A principle of prayer. You know, prayer is not a religious thing for me. No one makes me get up early and pray. I don't feel guilty about it or not doing it. It's a principle that I say, God, I want to put this in my life so that I can reflect you more. See, if it's religious stuff, you see, you know, Buddhists and Hindus and Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, a lot of them pray. A lot of them have better church attendance than we do. A lot of them give more charity than we do. Does that make them holy? Does that make them get into heaven? You think that's something they can lay down at the feet of Jesus? No. Because that's where it's got flesh. That's a religious thing. But when you have holy habits, pure principles, that their purpose is to help you reflect Jesus because you say, God, I value what is on the inside of this temple so much, I'm willing to put silver on it. Principles that reflect the value. Guiding principles, holy habits. And what does that do? It makes your life uncommon. It makes your house uncommon so that when you look at other houses in the neighborhood, you say, those are wood houses, those are thatch houses. In the, but that temple over there, it's got gold and silver on the inside of it. And they say, that's, that's a Christian. That's a Christian house. Man, they value what's on the inside of their house. Next is this, precious stones. Revelation 21, verse 11 says, And he carried me away into the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem. And it was coming down out of heaven. Now, what he's seeing here is the church. He sees the church coming down. He says, like a holy city, a new Jerusalem, a new dwelling place for the Lord. This holy city, it's the people of God. And he says, they were having the glory of God like a radiance, like a most, what? Rare jewel 
like jasper, clear as crystals. What is jewels? If I had to guess, I think jewels could be, in the, in the, in the Old Testament, the high priest wore 12 jewels on his breastplate to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And on each jewel was a signet, a, a stamp that represented what the tribe could be if they followed the Lord, right? They had an identity and a purpose and a personality. And the Bible says that we are crowned with his beauty and his glory. And just like the new temple in Jerusalem, they were crowned with the glory. It says, the radiance of his glory shone through them like a jewel. I think if I was to say, instead of measuring my life and what I'm doing for Jesus by works of religion, how much I go to church, how much I spend my money, how many times I serve, how many times I give, how many times the pastor doesn't have to call me and beg me to come back to church, all kind of things we, you know, we kind of measure our life on, how many cuss words I do and don't say, what kind of movies I do and don't watch, what kind of clothes I do and don't wear. What if we measured it on the virtues of God shining through us. You see, it's like those fruit of the Holy Spirit. I value the virtue of kindness, of patience, of gentleness, of meekness and lowliness, of self-control, of faithfulness. As these, the, he's saying, as you begin to build and decorate the temple of God, and it's not just about your brick. Let me let, me, let, me let you in on something. As I begin to see the walls going up, I'm gonna say I'm gonna put some gold there. Faith for that person, Lord. I'm gonna put some silver over there on that person. God, it's some pure principles they're gonna see in my life and I'm gonna help them reflect the master. And, oh Lord, man, let's put some jewels over here. Man, just shower all those people with kindness. I just wanna do that. Man, I just wanna shower all those people with faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And, and you just begin to decorate and build up the church of God. What does that mean? It means that I want to be invested in building the greatest building that's ever been built in the history of the world. It's not a Roman Catholic cathedral that's taken 135 years. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place of God that on the last days is gonna come shining down with the radiance of God's glory. And I wanna be a part of a builder who is saying, I help get those stones there and those stones there. And I threw some jewels over there. And Lord, with my faith, I put some faith over there. And with the Holy Holy principles you've given me, Lord. I led people in patience. I led people in missions. I helped start that Sunday school program. God, I led those kids in kids' church to the Lord. Man, I went to that missions trip. I gave to Africa orphans. God, I gave to those water wells uh, in Eastern Europe. Man, I did water, whatever you called me to do, Lord. I said, Lord, there's nothing worth more than building your house. You see, there is coming a trial by fire, and we think it's just for sinners, right? But there are going to be some that come, and he's going to say, man, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you this many gifts. You multiplied what I gave you because you were interested. You were interested in my church. Man, and I gave this person this many gifts, and man, they were interested. And then he comes to the one, he says, I gave you salvation, but you weren't interested and there'll be some that God I, I had it and I got one and I got a little interest I just had a little interest I just wanted to serve about this much and I still wanted to build my house and I still wanted to wear nice things and I still wanted to go and do this and all those things are not bad listen to me but are you interested in building the greatest uncommon house because you see the value of what is on the inside. 
I'm praying this. I'm praying that when the fires of trials come over our country, come through our neighborhood, when everybody else's faith and works and all their efforts of trying to live a life are getting burned up like they're getting tried in a, in a day like COVID-19 and an economy like we have and people are getting hopeless and lost and they're falling to the most largest opioid epidemic we've ever had and there's the largest suicide. Did you know that? The largest suicides we've ever had in the history of the world are being happening right now. That every few minutes, 12 teenagers are trying to take their life. Man, that there is a crisis of faith. They could look down the road and say, why is that house still standing? And why are they spending so much money of gold and silver and jewels in it when they say, well, that's a bunch of Christians over there. And man, they love like nobody else loves. They put some gold on it. Man, they're taking leaps of faith that don't make any sense. Man, they are guided by some kind of thing. I don't know what they're guided by, but they have these principles they live by. Man, the values that are in that place, when you go in that place, the values of love and kindness and forgiveness, man, they're just all over. They're just decorating the walls in that place. And it's always standing. Every time a fire comes through, man, it's still standing. Why? Because there's something uncommon. There's something alive on the inside of that building. It's not just like a normal building. I mean, there's something living. Let's go check it out. And when they come through the doors of our family, they could say, man, there is, there is a God. See, there's nothing more I want to spend my life, every dime and dollar, every ounce of energy and time I have, because I know that he's coming back there is no more important project than being interested in the church of Jesus Christ because it's the only building that's going to be left standing. And when he comes and you stand there before him, what will you lay down at his feet and say, Lord, man, I was interested. I was interested in what you were building. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Lord, I thank you for the foundation of Jesus Christ. I thank you it's the bedrock on which every stone is built. God, my life is a stone. These individuals, if they love you, Lord, if they've committed their life to you, they're a stone in your temple. I thank you that we can build our life not on sinking sand but on the rock like wise men, we build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And it is a principle, it is a faith, Lord, that we can now have. There's a faith like gold. It's golden, it's pricey. It's worth it, though, Lord, to spend something we've dug deep for, something of value, our faith, that we're willing to spend it all because we believe in the foundation. And Lord, I want to believe, Lord, that this church, not just sanctuary, but the global church is the most important thing in the world. It's the thing you died for, and so it should be the thing I die for. It should be the thing, Lord, to build a dwelling place, a dwelling place, a habitation that lasts through eternity. There's no more important thing. So Lord, may we have pure principles that reflect the master. May we have jewels that shine the glorious virtues of the Holy Spirit. May we take leaps of faith with gold, expensive faith, pricey faith.